Just so you know, that wasn't my idea. That's something I would have thought of. Now, don't put it past me, but, but that was not my idea. That was pastor's idea. Thank you to the four gentlemen who brought me up. Uh, you guys were champs. That was all theoretical. We didn't know if it would actually hold my weight, so it did. So thank you, Jesus. Right? Miracles. I'm going to write that on the testimony card after service. Um, so today, if you don't know who I am, I'm Zach Sanders. I'm the ministry admin here at New Horizon. Uh, started about six months ago, seven months ago. And it's been awesome. I've been going here to New Horizon for about four or five years. And uh, it's totally just radically transformed my life. So if you're tired of the status quo or you want to be transformed or you want to go from glory to glory, uh, this is the place to do it in. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom here in the house, a lot of love. It speaks to our pastors. And, and uh, just, just the love of the house is just amazing. So today we're obviously starting our sermon series, as Pastor mentioned, Raised to Life. And uh, there's something special about being raised to life, right? When we die, when we die to our old sins, right? When we die to that, we're instantly then in Jesus transformed into this brand new life. And so the focus today will be in that portion of being raised to life is who are we in Christ? Who are we in Christ? Right, Because there's a lot of cool promises. There's a lot of wonderful things that we get in this brand new life that we're living. Right? And maybe we've been in this brand new life for years. Maybe we've known Jesus. We accepted him at like three years old or whatever. You're just like, I love Jesus. This is amazing. Or maybe it's you're like 35 and you're just now accepting him. Or 81 and you're just now accepting him as like your Lord and Savior. And you're like living for him. And you're like, wow, there's a lot of freedom in this. So uh, today I'm just going to be talking about who we are in Christ. And... Um, and just the fantastic thing that he's, he's set us into, the fantastic adventure that we're a part of, and uh, just the power that's released there. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. yeah. So let's just pray really quick. God, we just thank you. We invite you in this place to just have your way. Just have your way, Jesus. In any regard, we just give you freedom to move and to love and to show yourself strong in this place. And we love you and we thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing in, in who we are in Christ is identifying that we have a heavenly mindset now. We have a new mindset, a new thought life. So I, I think a lot of times um, we come into Jesus and we're like, yes, everything is made new. And then sometimes we still have thought processes that in our old way of life that we allow to be transferred into our new way of life. And they kind of, uh, they keep us from reaching our destiny, and they kind of pull us out of the life uh, God has pulled us into. So, um, so first thing I want to look at is, uh, well, no, well, we'll do that later, but, but just to think of what we have available to us in Christ. So Jesus is amazing in that he, if you let him, he will restore your thought life. So all those negative thoughts, emotions you have towards yourself, towards messing up, towards failure, um, um, towards not feeling good enough for uh, those thoughts that's, that say that you have to work harder to be better, that you have to work harder to, to be loved by people, to be loved by family, to be loved by God. Um, and, and it's really, God is kind of pulling us out of that mindset. And so for us today, it's just a reminder, just even for me today, it's just a reminder of, of God has restored our thought life, and he's given us a, a, just a brand new way to live. And so one, one thing, one thought that I want to leave you with is in this world, we are actually like Jesus. 
That's not just like a fun statement that we get to say. We get to stick it on our, our, our name tag and say, I'm, I'm like Jesus, right? No, it's not a fun little tagline. No, it's actually true. So the way that Jesus walked out is the way that we get to walk out. So in 1 John four seventeen, you don't need to worry about putting this up. I'm just going to read it really quick. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. It's not a fun tagline. It's who we actually are. It's our identity. So our thoughts need to be centered around that notion that I am like Jesus. As he was, I am. Right? As he was, I am. As he is, I am. As he will be, I am. (laughs) Right? And so uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And sometimes we let our thought life get away from us. We don't take it captive. We don't take those wrong thoughts and put them in the right right perspective. So let's go to... um, Let's, take, let's do 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, I just invite you to open them up. If you have your phone, you can use that too. I love my, my, phone and my, or my Bible and my phone. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. <clears throat> Wonderful verse. I love it. All right, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, here, here's how it starts. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's amazing. So let, let, me, let me break this down. We demolish arguments and every pretension. So, so let's think about that. So... And a pretension is the assertion of a claim to something. So when the enemy, in regards to your life, is trying to hold claim to something that is not his, you need to take that thought captive and you just say, no, that is not your territory. That is not your realm of authority. It is mine given to me by Jesus. And now I'm going to live out my life in that way, in that destiny. So, so a, a funny thing is, is the devil likes to cheat. So has anyone played... Um, like Risk before or Monopoly or anything like that. All right, nice. I like that. I like, okay, whose favorite game is Monopoly? All right, we'll pray for you later. We'll pray for you later. Um, but in Monopoly, it's fantastic, is you can actually cheat at Monopoly. And you're like, what? Yeah, you can actually cheat at Monopoly, right? And sometimes if, you ever, if you've ever played a game with someone who's um, less than honest, right, they'll, they'll, if, especially if they're the banker, you know that they're going to be taking some stuff on the side, right? Uh, when they pass go, it's not $200. It's more like five. And you're like, wait a second, what? How many played with someone like that? Uh, <laughs> some of you are like, yeah, it's me. No, uh, but, but, but no, um, the devil likes to do that. He likes to cheat. He likes to take things that aren't his, and then he likes to talk you into it like you don't deserve it. You know, it's like, it's like this mind game. And that's exactly if, it, it, it's like risk. Okay, so a lot of us have played risk. If you don't know what risk is, it's a strategy game where you're trying to take over the continent through basically military strategy, okay? And so in the, in the game of risk, you are, are going against a lot of different opponents. And um, there's a funny story. A lot of the youth leaders, uh, probably like three or four years ago, we, we stayed at uh, Chris Chima's house and we played a game of risk that probably lasts about eight hours. It was, um, I'm not even kidding. Uh, it was Lord of the Rings Risk, and so we're all kind of nerds, so we love Lord of the Rings. And uh, we had like Lord of the Rings music in the background, like eight hours of Lord of the Rings music. It just kept going, right? And so we're playing this game, and at one point in the game, things got a little tense, 
Okay, it was a stage in the game where anyone could win. And so we had some players, who will remain nameless, who were trying to convince, uh, wrongly convince, the other players that, uh, uh, of what was going to happen next, of who the actual enemy was, right? So it was like a mental warfare, right? So they took the game from like normal board game status into like, a, okay, this got real. And so then we had some words for people. We're like, uh-uh, no, you're totally wrong. And things got a little elevated, a little heated. There was a few, there's a little bit of yelling, I'll be honest. There's a little bit, okay? <laughs> We're forgiven in Jesus. Thank you, God. Uh, but <laughs> it got really heated. But the funny part was, was it, it started to become a game of mental warfare. So basically using uh, untruths, un- uh, lies, essentially, to... Uh... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Okay, so <laughs> straight up using lies to try to capitalize on the situation. The devil loves to do that, too. He loves to do that too. He really doesn't have any power over you when you're in Jesus, but he likes to make you think that he does. He likes to deceive you into thinking that he has all this power over you and that you, you can't make it out of the lifestyle you're living in, especially addiction. That's a powerful thing, right? You're, you're free. Jesus freed you from addiction a very long time ago. Um, and now it's just walking in that freedom and understanding in your thought life or just revolutionizing your thought life about who you actually are and, and how much authority the devil actually has. He doesn't really have any. Um, and so when we do that, we demolish arguments in every pretension, an assertion of a claim, a false claim to something that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So one thing as Christians we have to remember is we, gotta have, we have to take our thoughts captive. Not every thought, every little uh, thought that comes into your mind is going to necessarily be yours. It's not necessarily going to be a redeemed thought, right? Someone says something mean to you, and you get a thought in your head that says, I want to punch him in the face, right? That's not necessarily a redeemed thought. So you've got to basically take that thought captive, hold it up against Christ, and see if they match up. If they match up, great. That's perfect. That's a great thought. If it doesn't, you got to cast it away. That's not who I am. I'm like Jesus, so I am not like that thought. Do we understand? Okay, so we've got we, we've to really put, and, and it's hard sometimes because a lot of times the enemy will be coming at you because you're worthwhile. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. If you didn't have a purpose, if you didn't have a destiny, the devil wouldn't bother with you. You're nothing, right? He wouldn't care about you. You're wasting your own life. Who cares, right? But obviously he sees a value in you and he wants to diminish it. And so he's taking away that realm of power that you're in, or at least making you think that he is. So we've got to take those thoughts captive. Always hold it up to Christ. Always hold it up to Christ. Uh, for me, um, a big thing, and some of you guys know this, but uh, like I used to have trouble with like pornography. Like, and I just could not, I, I just couldn't stop looking at it. I did the whole willpower thing, and, uh, and it just didn't work out. Like, oh, I'm not going to look at it, I'm not going to look at it. I'm not, and I focused on the negative, I'm not going to do this. That, I'm not going to do it, right? And I, I was always unsuccessful, right? And I was in Jesus, and I was praying about it, and people were praying for me. Uh, but the, there's a few things that needed to happen. One, I needed to have a relationship with the one who could take care of this stuff for me. So if you don't have the relationship, I even welcome you today. If your relationship, if you feel like your relationship is like not that strong with your heavenly father, I just even welcome you today. Let's position our hearts to get into that because there's so much life there. Being raised to life, there's so much life in Jesus. And you can't do it unless you're hidden in him, unless you're with him, in relationship with him. All right, so anyway... I was, I, was, I was addicted. I could not get rid of this thing. And then I, I got into a relationship. 
And what does that mean? When you're in relationship, you have to what? Share. What else? Okay. Yeah. Big thing you have to do when you're in relationship is you have to talk. If I never talked to my wife, Sarah, dude, game over, right? I would be feeling the, the hurt of that one, right? So I need to make sure that I'm in relationship and talking with my Heavenly Father. He loves to talk to you. He just wants to talk to you. You're so pleasing to him. He wants to, he wants to spend time with you, and he's been waiting all day to spend time with us, right? And so it's just so special, just that mindset of knowing that he loves us and wants to spend time with us is just amazing. We thank you, Jesus, that you love to spend time with us. But yeah, so it was in that relationship. And then it was also uh, capturing my thought life. Um, you, you've got to basically think of, for example, a, a, uh, a thought would come into my head that was not clean, was not pure. Now, what I used to do in my old way of life was I said, oh man, I'm so wicked. I'm thinking this thought again. Right? And I identified with the negativity. Now, obviously, that thought was not a clean thought. It wasn't a pure thought. But there's two things. First, uh, Am I allowing it to get planted in who I am? So when I had that unclean thought, I would allow it to plant, and I'd see my identity as I am wicked, I am evil, this is who I am, God help me get rid of this. Rather than identifying with the victory of Jesus over myself and saying, God, this is not who I am. So there's a difference because one is focusing on the negativity of the thought, which may, have never, may not have originated with you. Right? It may not have originated with you. It's easy to implant a thought. Like in the risk game, it's easy to implant a thought into someone's head to then make them think. They start thinking about it like, yeah. Right? Same way the enemy likes to use that, likes to implant a thought. And it may not even necessarily be yours. So we got to hold it up to Christ. Instead of saying, oh, I'm, oh, that's who I am. God, save me from this. I'm so wretched. Rather than saying that, get in to the prayer closet, talk to your father and say, Jesus, thank you that that's not who I am. Thank you that I am so pure and so clean. Thank you that you've made me righteous. Do we see the difference? And a lot of you already know this. For some of you, I'm preaching to the choir. But I think it's a good reminder to to know that it's good to focus on who we are in Christ rather than on the negativity of who we used to be. The devil will always bring you back to your shame and your doubt and your guilt. Always. Right there. The devil will always bring you back to it. Heaven, Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, will bring you and call out the gold in who you are and will bring you into a new land, a new season, a new promise. So recognize if your thought life is not lining up with who Jesus created you to be, get in relationship and then take captive those thoughts and say, you know what, that's not who I am. Thank you, Jesus, that that's not who I am. I don't identify with that thought. That's not a part of me. So that's helped me, helped me a lot. Some other things to know in our, our thought life and our identity is, uh, is, is knowing this. It says, um, is knowing that we've been made perfect. A lot of us have a negative mindset of who we are, that we're not totally perfect. And this kind of goes along with the last point. But in Hebrews 10, 14, it says this, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Are you perfect? Yes. You are righteous before the Father. When you're in Jesus, you are righteous before the Father. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm going to identify with that mindset. I'm going to identify with that because that's who I am. The Bible tells me that. 
Jesus tells me that. Holy Spirit tells me that and testifies that to me. I'm going to believe in that, that I've been made perfect. Now, do we sometimes make mistakes? Yes, but I'm not identifying with my mistakes. I'm identifying with that. Amen? Also, a Song of Songs, man. I love that book. It's, uh, there's so many truths. If you don't know what Song of Songs is, it's basically a love story between a bridegroom and his bride or bride-to-be. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it was written a, a long time ago. It's in the Old Testament. And, and basically, it's just summarizing their love for each other. The love of the bridegroom with the bride. And it's representative of Jesus Christ and his love for the church or his love for his bride, as we're called, the bride. And it's fantastic. And there's so many truths. And he's speaking beauty over us. In the whole book, he continually speaks beauty over the bride, over us, over who we are. And uh, I just want to pick a a few statements out of that. Uh, Song of Songs 4-7. And it states this. You are all together beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. How does he see us as? Flawless. That's crazy. Do we make mistakes sometimes? Yeah. But I'm not identifying with my mistakes. I'm identifying with how my father sees me, with how my, bri- my bridegroom sees me, with how Jesus sees me. And then let's go to uh, Song of Songs 4.9. You've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. Let's just rest on that for a second. You've stolen his heart with one glance of your eyes. With one glance of his eyes. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, is Jesus moved by who we are? Oh, he's moved. He loves you. You're his beloved. He wants to spend every waking moment with you. You've stolen his heart. You've stolen his heart. Don't doubt who he made you to be. You have stolen his heart. And he's won you back on the cross as we celebrated on Easter. He's won you back. We used to be dead and we died to our old sin. Now we're raised to life in Christ. Amazing. Amazing. So the first point is just our thought life. We have to take those things captive. We have to identify what is from heaven and what is not and match it up against Jesus. And if it doesn't look the same, we got to throw that thought away. That's not who I am. That's not a right thought. Second thing I'm going to be talking about is, is similar. It's the power of our words. It's the power of our words. Our words have so much power, right? Our words have so much power. They demolish strongholds and every pretension. But also, the power of your words, are uh, it's just seen all over Scripture, right? Even back in Proverbs, it talks about um, uh, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The power of the tongue has life or death. So even when you're speaking over others, you're speaking over your own life, watch your words. Watch your words. What are you saying over yourself? I used to have trouble with this, like really bad, uh, playing in soccer games. I used to play soccer, very competitive. And, um, and I used to have trouble when I would mess up. I would say something negative over myself, essentially cursing myself right? In a negative fashion, basically saying the opposite of who I was made to be in Christ. And so uh, 
just the crazy teachings of this church and Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Joel just revolutionized the way that I saw myself, right? And I hope it's been doing that for you. I hope that's the way it's been for you because it's revolutionized. My words, where my words go has revolutionized my destiny and where I'm headed. Your body will always follow where your words are, okay? Your body will follow where your words are. So if you're speaking negativity over yourself, you're, you're going to follow exactly. That's going to be your destiny. You're speaking the power. Remember, God made the heavens and the earth with a word. With a word. That's amazing. There's power in that. There's power in that. And he knows that. And Jesus, Jesus would cast out demons. He would heal people with what? His word. And that's a double meaning. Jesus is the word. And he was speaking words to people. Double meaning there. That's crazy. But he would do all that stuff by words, by the power of the words. And we have that same power. We have that same power. It's amazing. Amen? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you find there's an abundance of something else going on, let's get in the prayer closet. Let's get in the prayer closet. Let's get in the prayer closet. What do I mean by that? If you don't know, if you're not familiar with the prayer closet, um, let's see if I have this. I do. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. So let's go there really quick. Let's get in the prayer closet. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. Uh, those, who, those are the ones who believed in the false gods and that kind of thing in the day. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. What is he waiting for? That whole, that, everything we just re- uh, read right there is all a summary of relationship. He just wants relationship with us. He just loves us. Just one glance of our eyes steals and captures his heart. He just wants relationship. And it's just us giving attention to him and letting him speak over us. Let him wash us with the word. Let him just wash us with the word. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Because our identity is found in Christ, I want to posit to you a thought. What if your destiny is so up to, if what if your destiny is so tied up with your thought life and your word life that you're literally sabotaging your destiny? So you had a promise from somebody, a prophetic word from somebody and it hasn't come to pass. How's your thought life? How's your words? Are they matching up with that word? Are you speaking something over yourself? Are you acting out of unbelief? That's just a question. And it may or may not be the, 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 the answer, but, but how is your thought life? How is my thought life? Am I declaring life over myself? I... Uh, Probably in the first few months of me being here at New Horizon, working for the church, I experienced a lot of um, just bitterness. 
you know, just a lot of bitterness over just stupid stuff. And it just, and it was, it was totally implanted by the enemy. And I totally took that thought and I didn't hold it up to Jesus. I just accepted it. And then it became a part of my identity. And then I acted out of bitterness. And there was so much freedom, just even, I mean, it's been continual freedom, but uh, just over the last, like a few weeks ago, I just was like so fed up with, with all of my, the bitterness that I, I had let in, be implanted in my heart. And I decided no. And I started declaring. I spent probably 15 minutes declaring just the truths of Jesus, letting him know how I felt, and just declaring the truth of Jesus of who I really am. And it was all just spent in that relationship time. And he took all that bitterness away. He just took it away. And there's just such a freedom. And if you're struggling with bitterness over a family member, a friend, over a situation, over something at church, over something uh, at work, whatever it is, if you're experiencing that, I just really invite you. Get into the prayer closet. Get into that time, that conversation with Jesus. Let him wash you over the, with the word and then just declare the truth of Jesus over your heart. It will, ta- it will literally take away bitterness. He takes it away. He takes it away. It's funny, uh, and sometimes it'll happen in the natural realm. People will say something over you, and you can either choose to accept it or not, right? And it's even as simple as, um, as saying stuff like, uh, like, I'm old. Why are you declaring old age over yourself, right? You're young, you're youthful. He renews your, uh, your youthfulness like an, like an eagle, right? So it's like, it's like you have, like literally, Jesus... Jesus walked in the earth, and, and, and even in our, our, our thoughts about getting sick, sometimes we accept the common cold as just a, an occurrence that everyone goes through. Is it really, or are we accepting something that isn't ours, but the enemy has tricked us into receiving it? It says Jesus, okay, Jesus healed every disease. It says it over and over. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It'll say it over and over. So people would come to him. He healed every disease. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. Or by his wounds, if you want to read Isaiah. It says, by his wounds, we are healed. That's amazing. So we need to not accept that the lies of the enemy, that the common cold somehow has power over us. Right? It's funny. Jesus, it's funny. So Jesus went over on his ministry. when He, he would pray for lepers, people with skin diseases. He would touch their skin diseases. And he wouldn't be worried because how were those transferred? They were communicable diseases, meaning they were transferred by touch or being in an interaction. He went up and just touched them and said, boom, you're healed. Cool. And then he'd go around to the next one. People would come up with him with all sort of sickness. So let's revolutionize our thought life. Oh, I don't want to be around them. They're all sick. Right? Well, if you're in Jesus, right, I think you have an immunity to that. I think you're taking the right prescription. The, right? Okay, so, so let's revolutionize this. And, and so, for some of you, this may be a little radical. Well, common cold, I mean, it spreads by vi- viruses and bacteria. Well, that has no power over you. You're made in Jesus. You're a heavenly being. So let's revolutionize that. Let's revolutionize that. It's amazing. It's amazing. So moving in the miraculous, I just want to break something down. Um, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's do uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. Uh, and this kind of talks about the spiritual gifts. Um, I just kind of want to spend some time breaking this down. Now we're coming closer to the end of our time. <clears throat> so 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. 
How many of you brought your Bibles today? Booyah. Nice. All right. So now it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. All right, now I want to go back to verse 7, if I could. Thank you, Marissa. Let's give her a hand, man. She's doing awesome. Thank you, Marissa. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, so now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So guess what? You have a manifestation of the Spirit that's been assigned to you by Jesus through the works that he did. So you have that assigned to you. Okay, so if you haven't moved in the miraculous or you haven't moved in the spiritual gifts, guess what? Let's rise up. Now's the time. Nothing better than now, right? So let's break this down. What does manifestation actually mean? That's kind of a big word, right? I don't like that. I'm like, I want something simple. Break this down. Okay, so in the Greek... Uh, the word for manifestation is phanerosis, okay? It means disclosure. So now to each one, the disclosure of the Spirit is given for the common good. If you break it down even further, what's the root word of phanerosis? Everyone say phanerosis. Oh, that was weak. You can do better than that. I used to be a teacher. I had students who could do it better. Come on. Oh, let's try it again. Okay, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. But uh, so let's break it down even more. It comes from the word phanero. Um, and which it means to make clear, to make visible, revelation. Now to each one, the revelation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So maybe the reason why you didn't know that these were available to you in varying measures and degrees is because you haven't had revelation about it. You didn't know, oh wait, these are available to me too. And each one of those are available to you. All the stuff that we read, right? Prophecy, healing, all that stuff. So all the stuff that Jesus walked out in, guess what? In this world, we are like Jesus. So we get it too. We get it too. And so now the revelation has come to you. Perfect. How do you act out in it? You practice. How do you act out in it? You practice. I remember the first time uh, something ever cool happened. I remember praying. It was in youth group. And um, there was a girl who had come in with a... Uh, like a foot brace. She like injured like her arch or something. She was doing cheerleading or gymnastics or something like that. And there's a problem with her arch. And I remember uh, going into that situation being like, Jesus's word says this. So I'm just going to go with what Jesus says. And we're just going to go for it. Right. And so we had a group of people praying for um, Sophia, you might have been part of that group. I don't know. Maybe Morgan Rummel. I don't know if she's here this morning, but she may have been part of that group. But we were just praying for this girl. Just praying for this girl. First time, nothing happened. At which point, a lot of us would just be like, well, that's what I would have done. Uh, back in the past, I'd been like, well, nothing happened. We just pray, Jesus, that tonight when she's sleeping, that she just, you know. We do that whole, like, far-off prayer that, like, we don't have to see him later so we don't be shamed by what happens or not, right? And so, so what happens is we are like, no. Okay, the Bible says this. We're going to keep going. By his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. So then, so then we prayed for her again. And she's like, you know, it feels a little better. And I'm like, but does it really, right? And so she's like, yeah, it feels a little better. So then we're like, okay, let's pray again. Jesus didn't die for just like a halfway healing, right? He, you never read in the scriptures where he just, you know, he healed someone and they were just, they're like half limping. He's like, all right, you're good. So now go and, you know, you, you can do it by works now. Just go to the doctor. No, you never, you know, never saw him do that, right? And so... 
So then we prayed for it again, and it got better. And we prayed for it again, and it got better. And I'm just like, Jesus, why can't you just heal it in one? You know what I mean? Like, why are we doing this whole, like, big, long journey? But what he was doing was he was building my faith, trusting in his word. He let me and allowed me to walk into more of his promise. And that's the same for all of us. We just got to test him out just a little bit. Just practice. Who cares if you're wrong? Your identity is not in what they think about you, but in rather the one who made you. So let's identify. It doesn't matter if I look stupid. So let's just get that out of the way right now. If you look, how many, okay, let's, everyone raise your hand right now, your right hand. I don't care, repeat after me, I don't care if I look stupid for the gospel of Jesus. All right, perfect. Okay, so now that we're all on the same page and we all agree with that, it's okay to look stupid. When you're at church, right, if, if someone comes in and, and they're, like, they're like in need of a healing, it, I don't mind if you, if you pray for them. I don't mind if you pray for them. Do it in the right way in the right time, but practice, right? If you have a friend at work who's injured, guess what you can do? Dude, I know, you know, Jesus has totally revolutionized my heart, uh, and he's just awesome. Uh, we're going to pray for you right now. That's crazy, right? And, and so you can just do that through conversation. They already trust you. You're a coworker, or maybe they don't. I don't know, but, <laughs> but it's good. It doesn't matter what they think, right? So let's practice. Let's, let's start this, uh, this whole new, it's so fun. It's like when you get better at a sport, you're not instantly at the highest status, right? You're not instantly a pro player, right? You start, you start somewhere. So you just got to start somewhere, right? If you have the faith for them to, they, they broke their toes and you have the faith for them to, you know, start to wiggle in their toes, start there. When Jesus says that, be like, dude, awesome. Let's go for a full thing now. You know what I mean? Start somewhere, start somewhere. You have the, you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Like he died for you. He died for you. Don't even look at your neighbor. He died literally for you. He died for them too, but he died for you. You see what I'm saying? So it's crazy powers released there. And we're a church. We're a church of faith. This is a place of faith. If you don't know what it looks like, get around people who know what it looks like. Who know how to give prophetic words. Get next to people, right? That's how you learn in soccer. If I wasn't, like, if you're on a team that doesn't have very good players, it's hard to learn from them. But if you're on a team with good players, you kind of know how to learn from them, right? So get around people like the prophetic team, the altar team. Get around some of the pastors here. Right? Get some of the, get, get with the outreach team. They've been experiencing powerful, miraculous things. Let's do this thing. Let's live like Jesus actually did. Let's live like Jesus actually did. If I can invite the worship team up. So really in summary today, it's just about, let's think about what Jesus was actually like. Not what religious thought has given us over thousands of years regarding who we are. Let's see what the Bible says. What does Jesus say we are? What does our time in the prayer closet say we are? Because you are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You are, in, you are sitting in heavenly places with him. You are a co-heir, which means you have everything Jesus has. Through Jesus, you can heal people. Through Jesus, you can get a prophetic word over their life. Through Jesus, you can get a word of knowledge, which basically means you know something about their situation or their lifestyle that no one else would know except Jesus. You can get rid of that addiction because it's not a part of you anyway. It's not who you're made to be. It's not what you're meant to carry. 
in every way that Jesus walked out in, you can too. He said, Jesus said this. He said, you will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Like he entrusted, he entrusted this whole Christianity thing to us. Now, in my first thought, I'd be like, are you sure? It might be better if you stick around. But he gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us. And that's what we are. That's what we are. That's what we are. Let's keep our heads held high in whom Jesus made us to be and who he said we are. That's who we are. We get access to all that stuff. So in summary, let's just, let's just delve into this thing. Let's see what it means to actually be like Jesus. When we read a story, put yourself in that story. When you read about Jesus, put yourself in that story. I can do that. I can do that. I will do that. Change your words, your thoughts. I think it's powerful. I think we're on the cusp of something here at New Horizon. A new lifestyle, a new breed of Christians that are not satisfied with just a Sunday experience. They want to live it and show Jesus strong everywhere they go. We're on the cusp of something. Let's all stand. Let's all stand.